Good morning, everybody. My name is Ryan, one of the pastors here, and it's my pleasure to open God's Word with you this morning, including starting a new series for this summer on the book of Proverbs. And as we open up God's Word together, let's pray. Father, we thank you that uh, in your Word you give us wisdom, that these words, although they are uh, ancient, and although they will outlast us, Lord, they speak to us in this moment because you speak to us through them. These are indeed the words you have given us as your people. We pray that you would give us attentive hearts, that we would all incline our hearts to wisdom today. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I remember uh, three things about seventh grade basketball. Three. Uh, First thing I remember, uh, there was about a minute and a half left in the half. I was kneeling by the scorer's table, and I was going in for the first time in the game, which should tell you something. The second thing I remember, about 30 seconds later, I was in the game, and I realized someone was actually passing the ball to me, and it was coming at me at what felt like supersonic speed, and I felt it go through my fingers. You know that burn when the ball goes through your fingers? Through my fingers, onto my face, and out of bounds. Second thing I remember. Third thing I remember, halftime buzzer sounds. I'm trying to make my way as quickly as possible to the locker room. When my coach meets me halfway across the court and begins yelling in my face from the time I was at half court to the sideline, around the corner, safely inside the refuge of the locker room, away from the eyes and ears of all of my friends and all of my families, before whom I was completely humiliated. Now, uh, in that moment, 13-year-old me had a decision to make. One of the 35,000 decisions, I guess this was number 34,999 of the day, but it felt like the most important decision I'd ever, ever made in my life. In that moment, I had to decide, what do you do when you are publicly humiliated like that? What do you do when you've tried your best and your best wasn't good enough? What do you do when you feel like you are being treated completely unfairly by somebody who should know better? Uh, do you yell back? Uh, do you quit? with drama, Antonio Brown style? Do you make a scene? Do you just take it? You see, those are all the kinds of questions that, that, that wisdom seeks to answer because the truth of the matter is, I was a church kid. I knew the right thing to do. I knew the godly thing to do. I knew what the Bible would effectively tell me to do in that situation, but surprise, surprise, I didn't want to do it. And I wasn't really sure how to do it. And so what I needed in that moment was, was wisdom. Wisdom, as the Bible defines it, is as much a skill as learning to catch a basketball. Obviously, I needed to work on that one a little bit. The fact is, all of us need to grow in the skill of wisdom. So a friend of mine who's also a Bible professor defines wisdom as the Bible defines wisdom. So biblical wisdom he would define as skill in the art of godly living. Skill in the art of godly living. Now obviously he's getting that from the Bible. He's getting that from places like 
Proverbs, which we just read a moment ago. Um, but what he's getting at is, is what I want us to talk about, not just today, but for the rest of the summer. As we look at the book of Proverbs, that we would seek to grow in the skill of the art of godly living. Because the scene I just painted for you a moment ago, it wasn't the last time anybody yelled at me, by the way. Uh, It wasn't the last time I dropped the ball, literally or figuratively. I've done that plenty of times, but so have you. And, uh, And you've had people yell at you, and you've had to make decisions in the heat of the moment what to do. Even if you know the right thing to do, it's a whole other matter to actually do it and to do it with wisdom. We all need wisdom. Proverbs is a book given to us in the Bible that is, as you heard a moment ago in those first few verses, is intended to help us grow in wisdom. So as we look at this book week to week, we're going to do it uh, mostly, as in starting next Sunday, mostly by looking at various topics uh, which are covered in Proverbs. Proverbs talks about a surprising array of human experience. It talks about everything from friendship to envy to honesty to sexuality to family to work to rest. It talks about everything. And so each week we'll talk about one topic and see what Proverbs has to say about that. For this morning, though, I just want to do an introduction to Proverbs because Proverbs is a different kind of book. It's in the Old Testament. It's part of what's called wisdom literature or the wisdom books of the Old Testament. It includes Ecclesiastes and Job, for instance. But it comes to us in a particular way that I think is important for us to get our heads around before we jump right in so we understand what we're looking at this summer. So I want to talk about two things this morning, two things, the purpose of wisdom and the pursuit of wisdom. The purpose of wisdom and the pursuit of wisdom. Both of them are right here in this introduction we read a moment ago, almost like the title page to the book. We have the author, we have the purpose, you know, in a sense, the dedication to God's people to instill wisdom in their lives. Let's talk about the purpose of wisdom first. Um, Let's just clear this up right away because I think this is a common misunderstanding. Proverbs is not here to make us smarter people necessarily. Nothing wrong with being a smart person. But I think we've all been around smart people who know a lot of things, who have a lot of information in their heads, who don't know how to live life at all. Um, Maybe you work for one of those people, right? Uh, Expert in their field of knowledge, went to the best schools in the world, got straight A's, but are flunking life in every respect, right? Don't know how to treat people, don't know how to keep relationships, no emotional IQ, et cetera, et cetera. So we know plenty of people who are overeducated fools and also plenty of people who are undereducated sages and wise people. And we're going to run across those same characters as we move through Proverbs because Proverbs is not just here to make you a smarter person. It's here to make you a better person as God defines a better person. It's here to help you live life well as the Bible would define a well-lived life. Well, how does it do that? Well, it does it in a couple different ways. So one of, there's sort of two strategies we're going to come back to over and over again this summer as we walk through Proverbs. One of those strategies is to orient you to the reality of life. And the, and the second strategy is to protect you from your own folly. 
So one of the things that Proverbs wants to do is to orient you to reality, to present the world as it is. And this helps us from another, um, from, from uh, falling into another trap, which I think is common when we read Proverbs. I mentioned this last week. There are 31 chapters in Proverbs. Um, I think, actually, I learned that somewhere in Sunday school along the way, which means that you can read through Proverbs in a month, depending on what month it is, right? And, uh, and that's good, and I would encourage you to read through Proverbs while we're preaching through Proverbs this summer. But that might actually entice you to draw the wrong conclusion. And the wrong conclusion would be that Proverbs is just like a fortune cookie factory. Because most of the Proverbs, especially chapters 10 and following, are these pithy, short statements of truth. Um, Some are funny, some are word pictures, some are analogies. Um, And the takeaway could be, because they seem to come at you at random, it's like, well, I'll just kind of pick the ones I like, like open the fortune cookie. Well, that's funny. Stick it in my pocket. Open another one. Like, that doesn't apply. Throw it away. And we collect our little collection. Now, it's true. Proverbs is a collection of proverbs, believe it or not. But there's a framework. There's There's a context for these sayings. And the context is relationship. The context is is really family discussion around the kitchen table. That's why, for instance, if you keep reading in chapter 1, verse 8 begins with this statement, hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. This little phrase, uh, this little conversation starter, it's, it's shot through the book. We see it throughout Proverbs. It keeps coming back to this scene that all of us know very well because we know how this speech goes. So your parents sit you down. They go, all right, we need to have a conversation about what's happening in your life right now. I want phone down and eyes up. And then the speech starts, and the speech goes something like this. Believe it or not, I was your age once. And that's when the kids go, I heard this speech a thousand times. I was your age once. I know how the world works. And if you're, if you're honest and humble and vulnerable enough, you might actually say, I've done some pretty stupid stuff in my life that I'd like you to avoid. But even if you don't get to that part, you simply say, this is the way the world works. You can, you can kick against the goads if you want. You can try to chart your own path if you want. I'm just telling you, this is the way the world works works. Now, you've heard that conversation before or that speech before as a kid. Some of us as parents have been horrified to hear those same words come out of our mouth. Like, where did that come from? But this is the basic responsibility of the parent. It's to help the child in an age-appropriate way adjust to reality, not live in an illusion world. Say, this is actually the way the world works. That's the context for Proverbs, not just in the context of father and mother with children, but also just taking one step further back. The larger context of Proverbs is here we have God, the author of life, the maker of heaven and earth, the designer of humanity, having this kitchen conversation with us. He sits all of us down and he says, son, daughter, this is the way the world works. I've been around a little longer than you have. I designed this place. I designed you. I know what makes you tick. I know you better than you know yourself. In fact, in Proverbs 3, verse 19, we read this. By wisdom, 
The Lord laid the earth's foundations. By understanding, he set the heavens in place. So when God imparts his wisdom, he's imparting wisdom about the intricacies of how the world works so that we can adjust to reality. So that's one thing we're going to see over and over again, these sort of um, guided tours of the world and the human experience and all its different varieties. And the second strategy that Proverbs will use to help make us wise people is to protect us from folly. And this is the logical next part of the conversation, right? So the parents don't just say, this is the way the world works and go, go figure it out. Part of the parent's job is to say to you, and by the way, don't do this. And the reason you shouldn't do this is because if you go that way, this will happen to you. If you choose this path, this is where it's gonna lead. And Proverbs will do this often as well. It will put us at the fork in the road and it will say, if you go this way, the way of folly, this is what's gonna happen. If you go this way, the way of wisdom, this is what's going to happen. And the first example we have in chapter one, again, if you were to keep reading, was, is this example of a father and a mother saying to their child, look, if you insist on hanging out with the, with the wrong crowd, the in crowd, uh, who are doing some not so smart things, this is what's going to happen to you. I know it seems exciting. I know it seems nice to be included. I know it feels uh, uh, great to be one of the cool crowd, but I'm telling you, if you follow them and you see what they're doing, it will not end well. How many people have had that conversation with your parents when they say, I know you're going down this path, but it will not end well. And this is what Proverbs says to us. This is what God says to us over and over again. If you choose, insist on going the way of folly, it will not end well. Now, our tendency when we hear these things, okay, when we hear Proverbs say, this is, where, this is how the world works, and if you go this way, it will not end well, um, we treat this as something someone else we know really needs to hear. <laughs> right? I call this tic-tac theology. You know, when someone offers you a tic-tac, check to see if they're offering themselves a tic-tac at the same time, or are they just kind of like, you really need this, right? And we hear Proverbs, and we go, I know who really needs to hear this. In fact, I don't want to call you out right now, but even the last five minutes as I've been talking, some of you are like, I know exactly who needs to hear this. And let me just gently say to you as your pastor, I do too. You need to hear this, right? Sure, someone else might need to hear it. It does say uh, right away in, uh, in the introduction here in verse 4, that the simple, that is the naive, the inexperienced, they need prudence, they need, they need instruction, not to be naive in the world. And it also singles out the youth. So if you're here and you're young, you're singled out here and often in Proverbs to say, the younger you learn wisdom, the better. That's true. Right? The, the younger you learn the wise path versus the foolish path and choose the wise path, the, the more you're going to protect yourself from heartache and regret down the road. Yes and amen. So, um, this isn't for the young of heart among you. I'll get to you in a second. The, actual, the technically young, the chronologically young in the room. Proverbs is a great book to camp out because it's for you. 
What it's going to talk about are the kinds of things that you're, the kinds of questions you're asking and the kind of topics that are important to you are right here. We're going to talk about them each week. But it's not just the simple and the young, is it? We're not let off the hook either. Those of us who maybe feel a little more young at heart than young in the technical sense, look at verse 5. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. Check that out. The wise need to learn. The wise need to listen. The wise, wait for it, need to ask for directions. You need to get guidance. We don't graduate from God's school of wisdom. We don't all of a sudden emerge and we're like, yep, I got it all. I am now the guru. I'm now the teacher and I don't have to learn anything else. All I have to do is dispense my wisdom to anybody who will listen, whether they want it or not. It's not the picture we have here. The picture we have is the church as a learning community. Everyone, young, old, simple, wise, inclining our hearts and our ears to wisdom. And that means that you can't come to the book of Proverbs with a know-it-all kind of attitude. You simply can't do that. It's going to be wasted on you if your attitude about everything you're going to hear over the next few weeks is, yeah, but, but I know better. Okay, so when we're talking about what Proverbs has to say about how to use your wealth and you go, yeah, but you don't understand. I do this for a living. I know better. Or uh, what it has to say about sex, what it has to say about relationships, and you go, no, no, I got this. I know better. And if your attitude is, I know better, I know it all, if you assume you're the smartest person in the room, which is what some of you have to do for a living, is be the smartest person in the room, you're got to check that at the door because when it comes to God's wisdom, all of us are in the position of needing to be humble and teachable and say with one another, we need wisdom. And if, you know, if, uh, if your feeling is you're never wrong, it's going to be really hard for Proverbs to correct you in any way. So don't be that person. Let Proverbs be a place where, 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 you, where it's safe to say and actually really healthy to say, I don't really know what to do. I don't have all the answers. I need wisdom. Now, uh, that's the purpose of wisdom. It's to obviously make us wise by orienting us to reality and protecting us from folly that we might grow in the skill of the art of godly living. Let's talk then about the pursuit because this isn't just a passive endeavor. Wisdom, it appears, I mean, here's a book that's trying to teach us wisdom, so the safe assumption would be we're not born with wisdom. We have to grow in it, which means um, we have to work at it. Later on in chapter three, it talks about acquiring wisdom, attaining wisdom, inclining our hearts and our ears toward wisdom. So there's something left for us to do. In fact, if you look at verse 6, it's interesting. One of the stated purposes of this book is to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. Okay, so um, this, is, uh, this is one of the, the responsibilities of the reader. It's to read through Proverbs and understand what a proverb is saying. What you will notice is that there is no answer key. 
Okay, I checked the back of my Bible. I've just got maps in the back. I don't have any answer key. Okay, there's no hints. Uh, It doesn't give you the first five letters or anything. The idea here is, yes, understand, and you have to figure it out, which requires pursuing knowledge. How are we going to do that? Well, let's just talk about it a few different ways. First of all, how we read, and then second, second of all, where we start. The first thing you'll notice if you have your Bibles open, your Bible app, is that there is a lot of white space on these pages. You see that? So verses, probably can't see this in the back, that's okay, here's 1 Corinthians where we've been for the last seven weeks or so, not as much white space. Prose, poetry, this is probably probably not fair, kids, sorry, we're going to talk about poetry in church, you thought you were off for the summer, but we're not. So prose, poetry, so Proverbs comes at us as poetry, okay, it comes at us in, as we said before, these, these dense, compressed packets of truth. And by their very nature, they require us to slow down. Slow down. Now, I, I, I understand what's happening here. I just said two things to a DC crowd. I said, first of all, you don't know everything. And second of all, slow down. I haven't gone mad. I know where I am. I know those are completely contradictory to your daily life. But this is important for you. This is important for us. We need to slow down. Okay, we've got information coming at us a mile a minute. Actually, the faster the better. We need to slow down. We need time to ponder, to reflect. Wisdom is not a download. It requires us to slow down and to ponder and to reflect and ask big questions. And what's beautiful about Proverbs is that the form fits the function. So I was talking to um, Rob Yancey, one of our pastors, about this this week. He's preaching the same service at Fairfax today. And he goes, he goes I like to think of Proverbs like hard candy. I said, oh, yeah. I mean, that's right. Like, you don't eat a Jolly Rancher in three seconds. I mean, you can try. I would not recommend it. It's not good for your body, for your teeth. You also don't taste it. So how do you eat a Jolly Rancher? You pop it in, the beginning of the sermon. All right. <laughs> And you, and you try to get the flavor profile of the watermelon Jolly Rancher. And maybe you have it timed out so like you and your kids get through, what, three Jolly Ranchers in a sermon if you're lucky? No, you, you got to let it linger. You got to let it dissolve. You got to let it soak in. That's the way Proverbs comes at us. It's hard candy. Uh, or you might think of it as, as truth, like a truth bomb with a long fuse. Now, some of the Proverbs are more um, uh, conducive to to this sort of reflection than others. Some are just like, yeah, got it. But there are others that are little word pictures or riddles that don't make sense entirely. So let me encourage you, even as we're going through this series, what we'll do each week is we'll probably pick between three and, let's say, seven Proverbs that will be the text for the day. But I would encourage you to do a little more research on your own, to Go find other Proverbs that talk about money or talk about envy, and let let your mind and your heart kind of wander through Proverbs and pick ones that you can can read in the morning and think about all day. Or if you're in your community groups, I've talked to the community group leaders about this. Don't limit yourself to the ones that we'll talk about. There are plenty of Proverbs, and they're really meant to be meditated on and to reflect on. So that's how we read 
the Proverbs. Secondly, where do we start? We've said a lot about the purpose, orienting us to reality, protecting us from folly, the importance of reading it in our pursuit in a particular way. Where do we start? Well, verse 7 gives us the direction. In fact, in fact verse 7 is the theme verse of the entire book. It's right here at the beginning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom or the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord. What does that mean? What does it mean to fear the Lord? Well, um, obviously it's spoken of positively here. And so it can't mean, at least in this context, it can't mean running away from God in terror because you can't learn anything from somebody if you're hiding from that person. What it does mean is this healthy and joyful mixture of reverence and respect and awe at the glory and majesty and power of the living God. Uh, J.I. Packer, the theologian, put it this way, living becomes an awesome business when you realize that you spend every moment of your life in the sight of and in the company of the all-knowing, all-powerful God. See, he's getting at it here. This idea of fear of the Lord is living is an awesome business. God takes your life seriously. Your life matters. And you live your life before the face of a holy, powerful, majestic God, the maker of heaven and earth. And when you come to that realization, it naturally leads to a sense in which we want to listen to what he has to say. In other words, we're not going to read Proverbs with any sort of interest if we have no interest in what God has to say. But if we believe that God is who he says he is, the maker of heaven and earth and rules over all things and the king we owe our lives to and will one day give an account for our lives to, then we are going to lean in with interest when he talks about what it, li- what it means to live a good and beautiful life. Of course, If we don't, if we don't really have interest in what God has to say, then we won't, which is the back half of verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge or wisdom. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Why? Because they don't really care what God has to say. They have other authorities. Maybe their highest authority is themselves, but the fear of the Lord, we're told, is the beginning of wisdom. As I was um, reflecting on those lessons I learned uh, in seventh grade basketball, those three moments I mentioned a moment ago, there's actually kind of four things I remember about seventh grade basketball. So I wish I could tell you that um, I acted with great wisdom that day. I don't really remember everything that happened. It was all kind of a blur. I know I didn't like quit on the spot. Uh, I know I didn't yell back. I think I probably just took it all the way back to the locker room and then probably on another occasion or two based on my ability. Um, what I do remember, what I, what I do remember about that day, probably more than anything else, um, uh, well, m- my coach could use a tic-tac, speaking of tic-tac, so that's, that's a different story. What I do remember was, was, was coming home later that day. So I came home from, from, from the game and I was frustrated, I was humiliated and all that. And when I got home, on my bed was a note on my pillow. It was from my dad. I don't really remember everything that said, honestly. Uh, It just kind of gave some words of advice um, about the fact that, you know, the character that's developed in moments like this is more important than, 
necessarily performing in the moment itself. Again, I don't remember all of the wisdom that was in there. What I remember is that it was there. That it was a gift. And as we go through Proverbs, this is how I want you to think about Proverbs. I want, I want you to think of it as a note on your pillow from your heavenly father. It's there. He sees you. He knows you. He loves you enough to give you his wisdom. And what we find, actually, when we pursue wisdom, ultimately what we find is not how amazing we are that we're pursuing wisdom. What we actually end up finding is how amazing it is that our Heavenly Father pursues us, so much so that he would give us the gift of wisdom. Let me pray for us. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that um, as we open this word, we come to these uh, words of wisdom that uh, we are meeting your very voice and your very heart for us. Pray, Lord, that you would help us as your people to act with wisdom, to act with righteousness and with justice and with equity. We know, Lord, that um, all we ultimately have is you and the wisdom that you have given us, not just in your word, but in your living word, our Lord Jesus. Send us out encouraged that you love us and that the gift of wisdom is enough. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.